For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands Of a God who never sleeps Fear not, little lamb For the kingdom belongs to his sheep in the hands of a God who never sleeps. Hey, welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. And I'm Sam. And this week we're talking to Stacy Mahoy and Pam Clark, two awesome women from our Tending Lambs Facebook group and elsewhere in the gentle parenting community on Facebook about um, how they lived their lives, gentle parenting, their children. Uh, They both have adult children whom they uh, gentle parented all the way through. And they also, as a bonus, are both unschoolers, which is really cool and awesome. And we love that here. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, So why don't we start with Pam? Tell us a little bit about yourself, Pam. I am 55 years old. I've been a mom for 32 years. I have six siblings, so I had a lot of child experience since I was a third of seven, or yeah, third of seven. Wow. And um, have worked with people from birth through death as a social worker prior to and during initially when I was started my parenting journey. So I've been around kids for a very long time, and my kids range from 31 to 8, and we are a mix of mine, ours, and theirs family, hmm. four that I've birthed and two that joined our family, one at 11 and one at 1. Wow, that sounds awesome. Um, so Stacy, do you want to tell us about yourself? Sure can. So I'm uh, younger than Pam, and (laughs) I'm not quite as wise as that yet. Um, But I have not been around children all my life. I was the oldest of two kids. My sister is eight and a half years younger than me. So by the time she was born, it's not like we could really play together a lot or anything like that. And even though I always wanted a sibling, because being an only child is extremely boring. It was for me, it was extremely boring. Other people, I'm sure, love it. and so even when I was growing up, I decided like, okay, I can't just have one kid. If I have children, I'm not just having one because it's so boring. Um, it's got to be either two or four. Uh, ended up with eight. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, so I have eight of my own. Um, and I started young, right? So I was 19 when I had my first. We did not actually gentle parent all the way through. We came to GP when our oldest children were teenagers. So that was an interesting transition. And a lot of people have often asked, like, you know, questions about that, right? Well, what if we they're already this age and is it too late and all these kinds of questions. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it went. So they're ranging from ages that our youngest is five or oldest is 23. Oh, wow. That's awesome. You guys have such big families and such cool stories. Um, I think, uh, Pam, that was also kind of your story, too. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't start out gentle parenting either did you correct we did not come to it until our oldest were teens as well okay and did 
when they were teens, did you like start employing gentle uh, parenting, you know, philosophy with them or how, how did that transition go for you guys? Unfortunately for us, we did not transition in time for our oldest ones while they were still in the home. Mm -hmm. We were adapting or adopting some of that Mm -hmm. way because our youngest ones have been gentle parented, Mm -hmm. but we were not making that a full adjustment for the older ones because we were very trapped into traditional thinking. Yeah. And the unfortunate reality of many of us in church um, communities where it was very much uh, taught, preached that um, tough love and um, punitive measures. And when, because we did have one of our older kids was in a lot of trouble. And so everybody kept saying, you know, you can't do that approach with them because it's never going to work. Yeah. So we started with the younger ones, but still weren't sure how to do that with our older kids at the same time. Yeah. How did they like, how did they take that transition seeing it with their younger siblings? Like, were they on board or kind of confused? Well, it is because of them that we switched. Um, because they kept telling us how wrong we were in what we were doing. Wow. And um, we were much more gentle with our little kids. We did spank with the older ones, but not a lot. I, because I grew up not believing in spanking because we were spanked as children. Mm-hmm. And when my youngest brother was born, I was 13. And I said to my parents, please don't spank him. Mm-hmm. And so they agreed to do timeouts. Now yelling and stuff still happened, but the timeouts and the yelling were better than timeouts yelling and spanking. So he didn't get spanked as a child, which was great. And I said, I will never do this to my own child. And I didn't start out that way. But the more I was in church groups that that's what they, you know, a good Christian parent asked to spank. And it just became the, you know, you're in that environment where they're saying, why aren't you spanking your child? Mm. So, but it still comes down to us. We made the decision. Right. Right. And Stacy, how did that transition go for you guys too? Like, I'm really, I'm so curious about people who have transitioned like right in the middle of parenting, you know, because we came to gentle parenting (laughs) before we had a kid. So, you know, praise be to God that Calvin's going to be raised all the way, all the way gentle parented. But I'm really curious how that transition went for you too. Uh, first of all, I'm really always just in awe and so thankful for parents who kind of um, have the courage to go down that route even very early or before they have kids. Like I don't, honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think I was even open to hearing about it prior to when we finally, you know, went through this whole thing. So like Pam, um, I had been brought up with that's the right thing to do, right? Like if you love your children and if you, all of these things, then you need to be strict with them, discipline them, all these things. And, and at that time, discipline meant um, punishment. It meant spanking and all of that, even for me. So, you know, obviously when I had my children, it's like, well, I wanted nothing more in the world than to be the best mother I could be. And everything was, everyone and everything that I had learned told me that that's what I needed to do in order to be a good mother. So um, that's, you know, what we did. And that's what my parents did with me. And I felt like I actually turned out pretty good. You know, I graduated toward the top of my class. I was a good athlete. I got into college, all of these things, um, never really was in trouble. 
And I thought to myself, well, that turned out really well. My parents knew what they were doing. So that's what I'm going to do with my kids. Right. So that's kind of what the thought process was for me. And um, like Pam, I have an oldest child who basically did everything to communicate, right? Like we understand in GP behaviors, communication, right? <laughs> did everything in her power to communicate that this is really not working. Like, what are you doing? Um, but I didn't know that then, right? I didn't understand that. I didn't look at it from that perspective then. I just saw this very strong-willed child that I was supposed to, from my understanding, nip it in the bud, right? Don't let her get away with that. Like, even when she was very little, like a, like a year old, you could already tell she was this very strong, very independent, um, personality and will and it was like I, I would chuckle because I would see her do things or say things and I could totally understand where she was coming from but it was inappropriate right it wasn't like it's not allowed like you're not supposed to do that right so um so I was so kind of like okay I know I'm supposed to like you know be all firm and like nip this in the butt and all that because I could hear people like people's voices in my head right like you can't let her do that you've got to nip that now and otherwise it's going to be a problem later on right that's the kind of thing that I was told and what I had learned. And so even though I could totally understand where she was coming from, and I was actually kind of um, admired, like her willingness to just be very straightforward <laughs> with what she felt, right? Um, so there was this, this, even at that point, I felt torn between what I felt in my heart and what my, in my mind, I was told, like what my, it was like a head versus heart thing. And I always felt very torn because on one hand, I, I thought that I have to do this to be a good mother, which is what I wanted more than anything. But in my heart, it was like, that's really not what I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to be understanding with this child. I wanted to acknowledge what she was feeling, just teach her how to do it differently, right? Like everything that we learn in GP. Um, but I had no idea that was even a thing back then. And so it got to a point where, um, like, it was this whole big thing. And I was just like, okay, there's got to be a better way to do this because I'm not going through this all over again. Like, I'm just not like, there's right. gotta be something else that we can do. Right. So it was like, if I keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result, that's the definition of insanity. And just, I refuse to do that. And so that's when I kind of went searching for, well, what else is there that is possible? And that's kind of when I came into unschooling that actually came first. And then it just made sense that, well, if we can teach academics this way, can't we teach everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> in this way? It's sort of the same thing. Right. Um, and so we did make that transition while our oldest was still home. But at that point, it was already kind of really late for her. She was 17. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of damage that was already done. She moved out shortly after graduation. And um, even though we had some conversations and, and all of that before that, it still was sort of like, in, in the essence, at that point, kind of too little, too late. So we're still mm -hmm. working toward... Uh, Rep, what is it called? Restoration, I guess. Yeah. I'm, that's something I'm still praying for, right? Um, but with our other children, I think they were roughly 14, uh, 12, 9 at the time and, and younger. And with those children, I was able to sit down and just have a conversation of like, look, here's what I've realized, right? I realized that by parenting in this way and doing these things and implementing these rules or these, you know, whatever we had implemented at that time, we're putting you guys in situations that actually aren't the greatest, right? Mm -hmm. Like one of our daughters, we knew she had already had some boyfriends and the rule was like, you're not supposed to have no boyfriends until you're, you're not supposed to have boyfriends until you're 16 or whatever, right? All right. these rules, but <laughs> right. it was still happening, but she couldn't tell us because it wasn't allowed. And so she's going through these relationships and breakups by herself or with her friends, right? And so I told her, I said, yeah, I apologize for that because 
clearly we don't really want you to be dealing with all of that at such a young age, but if you are, we put you in a position where you couldn't even come to us with it, right? You weren't even allowed to have that going on. So how could you come and say like, this is what's happening. You have to go through these relationships and these breakups and try to navigate that without any of our help or support or input or anything. And so we really want to do things differently, right? That's the kind of conversation we had with them, like acknowledging the, the kind of situations that we set up via punitive parenting, the kinds of situations that we recognized we had put them in um, and how that had not been helpful to them and kind of talked about what we wanted instead, right? We want to be with you through these things, even if we don't agree, right? Even if we're not really on board with you have a boyfriend right now and we don't really want that, the fact of the matter is, I don't want you to feel like you have to do that by yourself. Like I would like to be included, you know, as you go through this so that like, you shouldn't have to do that by yourself, like without your mom, you know, without your, (laughs) without your parents, like supporting you through that. So we just sort of talked about those kinds of concepts and really tried to connect with um, how we felt it could benefit them. um, Apologize for the things that we, you know, had, the problems that we had created in essence. Um, and they really took it very well. And I did say at the same time too, like, but I, you know, I'm going to do my best, but I know, you know, I'm not going to like be perfect overnight. This is something right. years and years of one way of doing things. It's not going to automatically switch and I'm going to do the best that I can. And this is what I'm aiming for. Right. But I, I can tell you right now that I will probably fall short here and there. And I probably make mistakes along the way. So um, I'm asking for you to be patient with me. And I promise that that's my aim with you as well, because you're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes, right? We're in this together. Um, and it is, I'll do my best to be very patient with you. And I'm asking you to just be patient with me in the process. right? right. And I was concerned with, with how they would feel regarding their younger siblings, never having to go through some of the stuff that they went through. But yeah. it didn't take very long. It didn't take very long before I saw... Um, them extending kindness to their you know younger siblings when their younger siblings were like in the middle of a meltdown where they would probably have never been able to never been allowed to have that kind of you know yelling screaming fit or whatever and had been you know yelled at or told to go in time out or all of these things that we did to them like even though their siblings were going through that kind of situation I saw them extend kindness and understanding to their siblings like relatively quickly after the transition which was when I saw that, I was like, this is so worth it, right? Even yeah. though they've been through so many years of something else, even in a, just a short period of time of us trying to do better and doing our best to do things differently, like I could see it come out of them, which was that's pretty great. powerful for me. Um, yeah. Actually, that's a, like, this is really something, it's not in the uh, in the outline, but it's a really great topic from both of you, since you both kind of had similar you know, journeys with not uh, starting off this way and then transitioning later. For a lot of people, that's the situation we're finding because it's such a new thing here. You know, um, a lot of people are coming to this halfway through. Um, and I'm curious, Pam, if you saw anything similar with your own children, like, uh, like, um, how did they begin to adopt or did they begin to adopt this way of relating to each other that you were trying to, you know, implement as you transitioned? Well, our oldest had wanted that so badly for herself. Yeah. And she had, we have a gap. We have three older kids who are 31, 30 and 
28 will be 29 in July. Mm -hmm. And then our next ones are 20 and 19. Yeah. So there was a gap in there. So there was not any children in between when the older ones were leaving the house is when the older ones were getting to the point they were past their, you know, little kid years. They were just going into their big pre preteen years. Um, And our oldest daughter had wanted for herself what she saw us giving to her sisters. Yeah. And she, it makes me sad still. Mm. Because she had to grieve a lot. Mm. What she deserved and didn't get. And it wasn't that we didn't have good relationships in the midst of some of this. But it got harder for her, partly because, and I can't tell the whole story because it's not all my story to tell because my son is not here to tell his side of his perspective of it. But he did have some really tough years for multiple reasons. And because we had such um, an adversarial relationship with him as we were trying to save his life in our minds because it was very Mm -hmm. fearful situations that we would get stricter and harder with him oh, which then ripple affected to the other kids because they would hear the arguing that went on between us and our son and they would take my oldest daughter would take the younger kids the younger two girls into a different part of the house so they didn't have to hear all that yelling oh, man. and our other one who's in between age of the oldest and the son that was having the difficulties is on the spectrum so he just kind of would just go off on his own anyway yeah. He could separate. He didn't get involved in all of that interpersonal stuff. But um, it was really tough. And it was really sad to see all that going on and being feeling so helpless and hopeless on what to do different. Because no matter what we did, it didn't work. Yeah. And what we came down to knowing two things that became the problem is, one, we had bought into something that I find to be very, very harmful. And our daughter had actually asked us multiple times, please, why can't we be friends? Mm. And I'd say, because good parents, good godly parents can't be your friend. No. And the information that would go along with that, the correlation to it was, if you were their friend, you were trying to be their peer. And no, can't be their peer. I don't want to be their peer. You don't need to be their peer. But if you want to show your children how a healthy friendship looks like, who better than us to be that person to help guide them through friendships and relationships of all kinds. And we were friendly to our kids. We were, we loved our kids. We, but we would not allow that relationship point to be in there. And she was so upset with us on that point. And we found that to be one of the most harmful things. And the second one, and this is something our son taught us is he'd always say, mom, you are not listening to me. And I would say, but honey, I am listening to you. But really what it was, was I was doing what a lot of us do. When we listen, we listen to respond. We listen to correct. We listen to convince that we are right and they are wrong. And I wasn't agreeing with him. And because I wasn't agreeing with him, I was trying to problem solve instead. And so he was right. I was not listening to him to actually hear him. Mm. I was listening to him to control the outcome of the conversation. And that was Mm -hmm. our second most damaging thing. And so when we finally got to the point 
And I say we because my husband was trying so very, very hard, and he is stepdad to the older kids. So it was not there in their really young years. He came in when the, they were nine and almost six um, and has been fabulous. And just he loves them as much as the ones we have birthed and the same as our nephew that came in and then our grandson later. Um, but he wasn't the one there with them all the time. Mm. And he wasn't in a position with the older ones to, he knew that he couldn't have the same role as if he had been their biological dad because biological dad was still in our lives initially. He did die later on. And that was one of the traumas that our son experienced that created some of the problems as he got older. Yeah. Um, Because that was an unexpected issue, but um, it really came down to me because I was the one that was setting the tone for everything. Mm. And in my desire to produce this, wonderful, perfect, loving home, good, godly Christian environment. We really weren't listening to hear what our children were actually saying or being open to when we did hear them to having more than an either or outcome Mm. because it usually comes down to it's either my way or your way. Yeah. There's there's no win. win. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. we weren't looking at all. And that's where it's why my, it's my biggest platform at this time in life is that we really need to question everything and we really need to look beyond the either or because life is so much more than that. Yeah. yeah. And it limits mm-hmm. everything we do. Yeah. I think that either or thing, Pam, is something that I really, I think um, because Pam is one of the, the mentors that I've had along this journey um, very blessed with that (laughs) but the either or thing was something that was very eye-opening for me because when I was growing up I was taught it's black and white right it's this or that it's either a sin or it's not um so my thinking was very black and white it's you're either right or you're wrong and um that's what I grew up with so that's the lens that I was working through until like unschooling it's like well what about this right and everybody's asking questions like really challenging those beliefs and it was like whoa (laughs) like wait a minute. Oh, it doesn't have to be either or. And then just continuing to hear the encouragement of like, anytime you think all you have are two options, stop, right. And, and give yourself time to look for, there's got to be at least one more, mm-hmm. right. There's got to be at least one more option. And so that's been helpful for me as a parent to just even just to take that in, right. Instead of the either or thing and, and Pam's a hundred percent, right. Everything she's talked about is something that I've definitely experienced as well. Um, as a mom, I'm always like, I want to fix it, right? My kid's yeah. having a problem or they're going through something, I want to fix it. And I'm not listening. I'm, lis- I'm hearing what they're saying and I want to give them a solution immediately. And a lot of times that's not even what they want, nor is it what they're asking for and often not what they need. So when I heard, um, when I was first coming into unschooling and GP and someone, I don't even remember who it was, had suggested, um, you know, don't give input unless they're asking and I was just like what do you mean I'm their parent like I need to tell them all these things and teach them all this stuff and I'm like what are you talking about I have teenagers what if they you know it it was that was a very radical at the time to my mind concept and it was just like I that was scary actually it was really really scary because I felt like there was there's an illusion of being in control that you have when you're a punitive parent right um, and you think you have it handled and you think I can make it go the right way and I can 
produce these certain outcomes if I just do X, Y, and Z. If I do this, they'll do that. And it, that's the way that you're thinking. And um, yeah, so the either or thing and that illusion of control, it was very, very scary initially to think of doing things differently. I was scared to death that I was going to lose control. But when I reflected over the situation that we were going through with my oldest, I was like, if I'm honest with myself, we never had control. We never had the control, you know, and as much as we tried to make things go a certain way, um, her spirit was very, very clear that she was never meant to be controlled in that way and um, pushed back in every way you can imagine, (laughs) right? Every way you can imagine. And, and like Pam, our situation was not as severe, but just like Pam, we pushed harder, right? We, we wanted to tighten up even more because we're seeing these outcomes or these behaviors that we don't like. And it's like, we'll clamp down more if I just squeeze harder, maybe, you know, or something. Um, but we definitely went through that situation of you, you put in these higher and higher and higher consequences and groundings. And at some point, like there's nothing left right we had taken away privileges we had taken away all this stuff like what there was nothing left to take away (laughs) so at that point it's like I was like well what do we do now she literally has nothing to lose um so where does that put us well she has nothing to lose except for the relationship with you you know that's really where it goes and that and that is where it went that's exactly where it went and and we didn't know that, um, like, we just didn't know another way to do it. Right. And, and we, we hear people, you know, parents talking now about, like, just trying to make that transition and being fearful of, well, but how are they ever going to learn? Or how are they ever going to listen? And I'm like, well, first of all, it doesn't actually make them listen. I was a compliant child growing up, just that's my personality. personality so that worked with me, worked, quote, unquote, I'm putting it in quotes but they're not going to see it, quote unquote, worked, right? It got the behaviors that my parents were wanting. But inside, I had so many questions, right? In my mind, I was like asking all these questions, but I couldn't actually ask them out loud. And um, so when I got older, I didn't go crazy rebellious, but I did step away from a lot of the things, such as church, right, that I was in growing up, because I was just like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with the judgment. I want to deal with, like, I want to just do what I want to do for once. For 17, 18, 19 years, I did everything I was told. I'm tired of it. Like, I just want to do what I want to do. Mm. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't like all this drugs or anything crazy like that. But there was that sense of, like, I'm tired of just being good all the time. (laughs) Like, I'm tired of just doing as I was told all the time. I just want to be myself. And, um, and it's interesting how, you know, I think L.R. Noss talks about like the kids with the strongest will, they also have the strongest need, right, to be accepted, to be loved. And it's hard to do when your child is like doing all kinds of, or asking for it in the most unloving ways, right, is what they say. The kids who need love the most ask for it in the most unloving ways. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very difficult to show them, to really show them and have them feel accepted and loved when you're trying to fix them all the time. And I didn't know that, how that was coming across on the other end until much later. So GP allows you to buy, like, you know, create a whole different situation, relationship dynamic and all of that. Yeah. It's so encouraging to listen to this because like I was, I'm the oldest and my, uh, my siblings are 
but I'm 28 and the closest one to me, I think you just turned 23. They're all kind of like in this little age range. But I got into so much trouble. I was really rebellious. My parents just tried and tried and tried to the point where I had nothing left to lose. And definitely like the relationship had been burned long ago. And it just, it got so out of control. And my brothers were all watching this and everything. But at a certain point, instead of honestly reconsidering that there might be a different way to go about it, my parents got extremely burnt out and just kind of like they were still punitive with my siblings, but they backed off a lot and yeah. almost gave them no real uh, structure or uh, foundation or like solid companionship. And so, I mean, they're, they're doing all right and everything, but it's just, it was just like they got tired and didn't know what to do after that. Yeah. All kind of and still kind of are like in that relationship with them. It's, so it's really encouraging to hear about parents kind of catching it and taking action at that point. You know, Sam, yeah. it's interesting that you say that too, because that was exactly my parents' response too. I felt like they didn't, they also didn't know any other way, but they didn't, I think it may have been slightly different for them. They were burnt out with the punitive thing, but it was more of a, um, they weren't really, they were very sensitive people and really really loved us and were very affectionate with us and i mean of course most parents really love their children even punitive ones here but uh they just really weren't comfortable with the spanking thing but they didn't know what else to do so it ended up being really permissive and like just completely boundaryless and they didn't really know how to give us the structure that we needed so it's a really similar thing um but for both Pam and Stacy, something that's coming to my mind is that when we, before we start into the questions that we got in Facebook, um, we get a lot of practical how to's and those are great and we need those. Um, but with all of this, I just keep thinking of how important that paradigm shift is. And I want to ask for both of you that it, at least for me, it was kind of a, a slow burn and a light switch, you know, it's kind of a strange thing how it happens, but how important, well, I guess we'll start with Stacy. how important was that to you, that light switch moment or that slow burn, however it happened, that paradigm shift in approaching the practicals? Like how much easier did the practicals yeah. get once you had that paradigm shift? So my experience, when you talk about the light switch and the slow burn, I can totally relate to that because I had gotten to a point where I knew I wanted to do something completely different, right? We had results that I absolutely did not want. And I had, I was thinking to myself, I have seven more children. I do not want to ever go through this again. And I was hoping there was a way to prevent it. And I was like, well, I'm, I want radically different results than we gotten. So I'm ready to do some, I'm ready to do radically different things than I'd ever done before. I was ready to throw everything I thought I knew out the window and learn something new. Mm. Um, so I was certain about, I'm not going to keep doing what I was doing, but I didn't know what else to do instead. Right. That's one of the, the phases that I think a lot of parents go through. They're like, okay, well, I know I don't want to spank. I know I don't want to yell. I don't, I know I don't want to punish, but I don't know what to do when they do X, Y, and Z. Mm. And I definitely went through that period. Right. However, because I had such a strong uh, 
you know, because we had gone through a very difficult experience and because I had such a strong feeling of like, I'm just never going back to that. I don't care. There was just not a question in my mind. I was okay with not knowing what to do. Right. So even though, okay, my child is over here, this one just hit that one. Somebody stole a toy, like all these <laughs> things are happening. And I know that I don't want to yell and I know I'm not going to spank or like, you know, get all punitive, but I have no idea what to do. And in my mind at that time, I was at peace with anything that's not spanking is better than what I was doing. Right. Mm. So doing nothing at that point for me was still better than doing what I used to do. And I was okay with that because I knew that if we just kept going, I was going to figure it out at some point, right? <laughs> at some point, I'm going to figure this out. And I was okay with the fact that there was, a, there was going to be a learning curve. But I absolutely refused to go back to just yelling and screaming and spanking because I didn't know what else to do. Um, now, am I perfect with that? No. Sometimes I get stressed out and I'm like, oh my goodness, stop it. <laughs> you know, like, right. I will still get to that point at some times and I still yell like I'm not perfect at it. I will still say things that I'm like, oh my goodness, I should not have said that. I have apologized. I've apologized a lot. <laughs> Been able to say I was wrong for reacting this way. I shouldn't have done that. Um, I apologize. And, you know, I'm not perfect at it. I knew what I didn't want to do. And still the knee jerk still sometimes would come up. But yeah, once you kind of begin to understand that the relationship and the connection are what allow you to have influence. Yes. And allow you to be the person that they actually want to come to or they want to listen to. Understanding that was what kind of helped me, right? It's like, okay, how can I be someone they want to listen to? That was helpful for me to, you know, think of it in those terms. Yeah. And um, I think Pam or somebody else was like, put the relationship first. And at the time, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Literally, that was my thought. I <laughs> right. did not understand. I was like, especially after you've been told you can't be your kid's parent. parent. Like, I don't, right? I'm like, I don't understand what, the, like, why does that even matter? Literally, <laughs> what I was thinking. I didn't get it. I just did not get it. But I was like, well, I'm ready to do something different. These people have done it before. They said to quit relationship first, you know, uh, take a step back. Like, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to kind of take a step back, try to observe my children, see what's wonderful about them. How can we bring more joy and harmony into each day? Those are the things that I was focused on. Um, and putting that relationship first. It's like, what's more important, the spilt milk or the relationship with my child, right? The broken pencil or the relationship with my child. Like yeah. I just kept bringing that back because, but I had gone through losing my relationship with my daughter, basically in all essence, right? And for all intents and purposes at that point, that. I knew the pain of that and it was so much greater than dealing with whatever was coming up in the moment. Mm. You know, of course there's things that happen that upset people. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, what were you thinking? You can't be hitting your brother, like all these things. But it was very easy for me because of that experience to keep in mind that relationship matters so much and it's so important. And once I began to understand that the solidifying of that relationship is what allows us to work through the hardest things together, then it was, then it became much easier. I mean, it became, I'm not going to say easy. This is not easy, <laughs> right. but you know, like relatively speaking, um, that does allow for things to flow a little bit easier and for me to get better ideas of what do I do in these certain situations, right? How do I go about it? And if I remember connection, relationship, all of that, and simply saying to some of my children sometimes, like, I really don't even know what to do about this. 
right now. Mm, yeah. Teenagers especially, right? Teenagers especially, they come to you with these, all kinds of things happen. And I'm, you know, I, I honestly don't know what to do. This is what I used, I would have done in the past. I know I don't want to do that. I don't honestly know what to do instead. Here are my concerns, you know, and um, sometimes I'll let it sit for a day or two or talk to my husband about it. Like we don't worry about, I have to take action immediately or else it's like, I just present what's honest and real to my children during those moments. And we just go from there. And that's, that's you know, yeah. sometimes I don't have the answer. Right. <laughs> but it comes down. To- well, and that's great. You know, so much pressure. Off. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm over here like, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I thought I had to have, I thought I had to have all the answers, right? I feel like I'm the mom. They're my responsibilities. They're my children. I need to, I had everything on me to do the right thing all the time, have the answers. No, like it was, there was a lot of pressure for sure. And, you know, unschooling moms like Pam, the groups like we have that we're all in on Facebook and people sharing their experiences and, you know, having the courage to share their stories really, really helped me realize that I'm not always going to know what to do. And it's okay for us to ask other people for help (laughs) or it's okay for our children to have other people in their lives that maybe can connect with them in a different way it doesn't only have to be me and in fact if I can help them build really strong solid relationships with other people because I've shown them how to do that that's super valuable to them right yeah, it doesn't absolutely. have to just be me that is an answer for everything yeah that, that's great stuff Pam what about what about for you with that that paradigm shift to go back to the original question what about that or how did that paradigm shift um, help you with practicals? How important was that to figuring out the practicals without, you know, you're kind of a trailblazer in this GP thing, you know, like I get to come and benefit from all of your wisdom and like hear what you've done and how you've done things, uh, you know, but you were kind of starting from scratch and how did that paradigm shift help you in that, in that whole, uh, yeah. Well, I think the, thing that Stacy said was really important in that I didn't have all the answers and that had been proven out so many times over with our son and with our older other older kids but they were not in trouble so it was more of we had to help repair relationships with them because we hadn't been fair with them and we hadn't been as respectful with them as they had deserved however with our son we were in totally uncharted territory. We lived in a town that actually was surrounded by prisons. I lived in a place in Colorado that has many prisons around it. You would think there'd be a lot of really good resources, but instead there's a lot of dysfunction instead. And so we're dealing with a child who was totally out of control. If you look at all things that are supposed to be happening, if your kid is responsible, respectful, you know, going to make it in society and be a quality human being. Um, He was making a lot of poor choices. And at the time, we just, we weren't sure. We thought a lot of it was grief trauma, which it was. Um, We also didn't know that he was dealing with a mental health issue. Hmm. And we also were adding in all this stress and pressure because we were trying so hard to figure out how to help him by going about it all the wrong way. And we found out over and over and over again that we just didn't know. 
but we thought we should. And we were listening to everyone else's advice, all the experts, all the Christian experts, all the mainstream experts, all the, you know, the Dr. Phil advice type stuff, even if I wasn't watching that stuff. It's the same right. information. They're all going off of the same type of punitive mindset. And so you're going, what am I going to do? How am I going to? Because we were literally down to the point where we did not know if he would live to be 20 years old. Mm. We didn't know if he was going to be in jail or if he was going to then, once he did go to jail, if he'd end up in prison. And when you live in a prison community, you know how bad that can be. We didn't want that for him. He didn't want that for him. But there was this spiral going on that we didn't have answers for. And no matter where we turned, none of the advice that was out there worked. And so we are still going off of, we've got to solve this problem, but I don't know how to do it. So when we made that transition, we had already come to the point where I had come to the point where I knew how much I didn't know. Yeah. That everything I thought I did know didn't work in this situation. And I had lots of people telling me all the things I was doing wrong where I should be going, who I should be talking to, not knowing that I'd already gone to those places, talked to those people, left them behind because they actually added to the problem, not were answers for them. And so when we started making the shift, we went from the ground of, we don't know, but let's figure this out together. Yeah. I don't have to have all the answers and the answers that I do have are faulty and that's hard because you know who wants to admit that they've failed you know your ego gets in the way and you're supposed to be I, I was a good parent I'm still a good parent I was a good parent all the way through but not always because sometimes mm. I was a really bad parent mm. and that was hard to admit too I was abusing my kids without meaning to be abusive oh man yeah. not understanding that this is actually abusive because society says it's not it would be for everybody else in the world except our children um, and that tough love is not really love. And sometimes there are no answers. And sometimes you can do all the right stuff and something bad still happens. Mm -hmm. And if your child is still breathing the next day, there's still a chance to do something different and better. And that's when we listened. We listened to the older ones. We listened to the younger ones. And we stopped thinking that as parents, our way was the best way. Mm. Because that becomes a lot of the yeah. things. What do you do when your child is not listening to you, when they don't think that their parents know anything anymore? Well, the reality is their parents don't know as much as they think they do. All <laughs> they know is what they know, and what they know may not be very good, or it might not be as solid as they think it is. Right. And so we really need to listen to our kids because, again, it's not either or. Yeah. I know what I want the outcome to be, and I know that I think my way is the best way. And that's why I'm asking it of them. But when I listened to my younger kids and I'd go back as I'm trying to repair the relationship with my older kids and I'd say, what do you think? Or they would just, because some of them are kind of like me, they give an opinion. They don't have to necessarily be asked for it. Um, I'm breathing near you. Therefore I should be able to hear what you have to say um, kind of thing. And they would tell me, and when I'd get past myself and go, whoa, maybe there, that is, that maybe that holds value. Maybe we should try it their way. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't think it's going to work or I don't think it's going to work as well, 
why don't we give it a try? And what we found is our kids know a lot and sometimes they know more than we do. And sometimes their perspective is a perspective that holds equal value Mm. to the one we hold. And that's where we started going from is we started listening to our children and we started asking our children and we started being open to what they had to say, even if it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Wow. That's great. You guys, I'm feeling so good about this. I'm like, man, just keep telling me all the things. (laughs) This is great. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, so much of gentle parenting having little kids and we all have little kids. And so like hearing, Mm -hmm. Hearing about all the things that can happen later and, and the turnarounds that can happen too. It's just yeah, very encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> it really isn't too late. And that's what a lot of, I'm even seeing this in the groups yeah. with kids. Like my child is three or my child is five and I think I've ruined them for life. <laughs> well, you probably right. mm-hmm. haven't. And the sooner you start making mm-hmm. changes, the sooner you can restore any breach that's in the relationship. And sometimes the things that you think you've ruined the kids aren't even affected by or not as much as you think mm. they are because you're yeah, seeing it through the lens of how you're affected by it or how you, how it correlates to something bad that happened when you were a kid and your kid may be going, huh, that is not the problem, mom. If they could tell you <laughs> that you're really hung up on and this really isn't the issue. This is the issue and you're missing this one, but yeah. sometimes they can't tell us that. Well, so, it, but it's too yeah. late. Mine were, yeah. mine were young adults. Yeah. And now I've yeah. got three older kids who are like, come to me when they don't have to, they live in different States. They don't have to come to me for anything. And yet they do. And they'll just say, I just need mm-hmm. you to hear this. I don't want, I mean, and mm-hmm. we do that. Do, are you looking for advice? Are you looking to vent? Are you looking for problem yeah. solving? Do you want me to be part of any of that? Or do you, and so sometimes they'll just want need to listen to them. And that's what I do. And sometimes yeah, it's amazing usually, that they can trust you with that too. Yeah. Because I have become trustworthy mm-hmm. in that. And I also have yeah. shown that I respect them as human beings. And even if we don't agree that their value is no less. And that's something I mm-hmm. think that sometimes I have a hard time either because we feel devalued ourselves Mm. um Mm -hmm. or we just have been conditioned to believe that their the children do not have as much value in what they say because they don't have our experience they don't have our maturity well sometimes my mom still says that i'm 28 (laughs) yeah our experience i mean you could be my child (laughs) Um, (laughs) the the fact that their lack of of maturity and their lack of knowledge sometimes is better because they don't have all the extra junk Mm -hmm. tied to what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have the fuller understanding. We know what else has to be considered. We can add that in, Mm. but first we have to listen Mm -hmm. to the actual, the pure message sometimes that's in it. Yeah. Um, So beautiful. That is great. I hope this conversation was really encouraging for you guys. It has been amazing for me to talk through these things with experienced women who uh, are just so willing to be transparent with me and with you guys. Um, 
I hope you're looking forward to the next episode as well, where we get into the rest of the topics that we just didn't have time to cover. It was just too good. We couldn't stop talking. It was awesome. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye guys. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. There's always so much more that can be said. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us in the Tending Lambs Facebook group. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash tendinglambs, Instagram at tendinglambs, and for show notes, our blog, and other gentle parenting resources, check out tendinglambs.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and would like to help us continue creating content, we now have a Patreon. We'd love it if you would consider supporting us through that platform. As a patron, you'll be supporting the podcast, blog, and entire Tending Lambs community. But not only that, you'll receive lots of fun perks as well. Sign up to support us at patreon.com slash tendinglambs. And as always, until next time. <laughs>